What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to our post notifications so you know when the live stream comes to your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Sunday morning. So I'm going to act like this is Sunday morning because I'm recording on a Saturday night. And because of the schedule with me going on vacation to Florida this past week, it was really jumbled. But I gave a reminder out that it was going to be like that. So with that being said, the game's in a couple hours. So we're going to talk about that. Basic stuff for today. It's the last or second last episode of the season since we'll probably be doing a podcast episode that's going to be out on Tuesday because of Dave Gettleman quote-unquote retiring Joe Judge gets fired which I don't think will happen unless they play like they played against the Bears last Sunday but we'll see what happens but we'll talk about Joe Judge's future at the end basic game stuff but real quickly as I take a sip here I just want to talk about this past season as a content creator this past season as You know, something in review. Unlike the New York Giants, this channel has made some internal progress. And I want to thank you guys for that. Shoutouts from content creators have really lifted this channel. More people watching. The watch hours going up. The subscribers going up very, very slowly. I reached 100 last January. And with that being said, we reached 300 a few weeks ago. And now we're at 336, 337, 338. So it's not, oh my god, it's at 1,000 yet, but it's climbing the mountain. It's climbing the mountain, and we're getting there, just as a channel. Obviously, this podcast is growing. It's a little difficult to grow in some cases because it is a one-man show, and it's only one guy talking. But obviously, when you have competition out there, it's not the easiest of things. But I really had a fun time this season despite the Giants sucking. Uh, you know, the Fan Fest meeting, a lot of the content creators, that was a really fun time. It was a really fun time. And we thought the Giants were going to be good. Obviously, that didn't happen. And we thought Joe Judge was going to take the next step. He has not. And we ran a lap for him. But with that being said, I enjoyed it at the time. And. Do I really want to say I regret doing that? Because it was fun in the moment. It was fun in the moment, and I'm not going to piss on any fun that we had at the time. The Eagles game, when Talking Giants did their thing with the Candlewick Diner, that was very fun. It was snowing, but it was not sticking to the ground, so it really didn't have much impact. It was still cold, by the way. But that was very exciting. Met a couple of new folks from Twitter. And the Giants won that day. That was my first official NFL game. Prior to that was the Chicago Bears-Giants game from 2019. That was in the preseason. And then before that was the MetLife Bowl 2018 preseason. So I just want to give a big shout out to the content creators and just everybody in the Giants community. Because even though we are divided on viewpoints and all this other garbage were a family 
and I can't think of many communities that have this much, I would say, not really unity, but just have a big community, for lack of better words. I can't really think of any other community other than some other stuff like the Knicks. Yeah, they have side talk and the Yankees. Well, you have Yankee fans and content creators and all that stuff. And I'm a part of Twin Bill now for NYY News TV. And that's just a big of a part of a group of people. Big, uh, I meant a big part of a different community, of course. I don't know if I stumbled or mumbled. But with that being said, you know, it was a fun year. It was a fun year. The Giants sucked. But I enjoyed just growing the channel. And some of the things to remark on as well. Uh, last Monday, when we did the Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers game, Sean was initially going to be here. But that's what happens when you live on Staten Island and the bus service is shit. And he said it himself. So, But me and Luca were down here. We were calling the game. I had it on OBS instead of StreamYard, which is very basic. And I actually controlled the template and all this other stuff. And we got over 900 views, which is the most viewed live stream on this channel. Which beats out one of our first live streams, which where we, you know, we did record predictions and all that stuff. So it was very exciting. It was very exciting. And just to recap this year overall, it was exciting meeting new people and... Giants suck, so I don't know. I don't know, but just with the community, even though we have uh, different viewpoints and sometimes get into arguments on Twitter, I thought it was a very, very fun year in terms of content creators and all that other stuff with the fans and meeting different people. So there's that. So let's go into the game stuff. So, injury report, obviously, is first. Here are the following players for Washington that are out. Tackle, Sadiq Charles. Wide receiver, Curtis Samuel. Tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones. Defensive end, Montez Sweat. Due to personal issues. I don't know what happened there, but obviously I wish him well in that aspect. And Samis Reyes is also out. Antonio Gibson's going to play. James Smith-Williams is going to play. Charles Leno is going to play, who just received a fat paycheck, so good for him. In terms of the New York Giants, Ellison Smith is on IR, so he is out with a neck injury. Colin Johnson is questionable with a hamstring injury. John Ross is out with a knee injury. Colin Gillespie is questionable with a knee injury. Mike Lennon's out with a wrist injury, and Will Hernandez is questionable with an ankle injury. I don't think I missed anybody on that list. In terms of practice squad protections and elevations, the Giants, I don't think, can make any because they're at 270k right now in terms of cap space, and they don't have enough money to elevate somebody, which is really, really sad. It just shows where we have gotten to as a franchise, which I believe this is rock bottom. Unless we don't win a game next year, then that's completely rock bottom. But you've seen teams around the league do worse than us and sometimes do better than us. Not by much, 
But those teams were expected to suck. We were expected to do good things this year. We were expected to at least have a shot at the playoffs. But for Washington, guard Zach Bailey, defensive end William Bradley King, safety Jeremy Reeves, and guard Nolan Loffenberg were protected. For the Giants, if it is true that they cannot elevate anybody, they will only have one quarterback. So... That being Jake Fromm, and if he gets injured, we're all screwed. I mean, I don't know who would play quarterback. I think David Sills would play quarterback. If he's on the active roster, of course. We don't know if he's on the practice squad, if he's on the active roster. Let me take a look at that right now. He is not on the active roster. He's on the practice squad. So maybe Saquon Barkley will take a couple snaps at quarterback or just in the Wildcat. But for the practice squad protections, Brian Lewerke, David Moa, Natural Jameson, and Amari Cobb. For the rankings, Washington, total yards per game. We obviously start with offense and go to defense. I'm not doing positional matchups because we've seen Washington before. Total yards per game, 20th. Passing offense, 20th. 15th in rushing offense, 23rd in points per game. Defensively, very disappointing for them this season. That was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league, and it really didn't live up to the hype. The rushing defense is 8th, but compared to the other stats, not great. 27th total yards per game, 30th in passing defense, and 28th in points per game. The New York Giants offense was supposed to take a step up, obviously didn't happen. Jason Garrett, injuries, offensive line, Daniel Jones, weapons, whatever the case may be. Um... The Giants did not take that next step, so they ranked 31st until yards per game. They finally got into the 30s because it was a couple of games where we're just sitting there in the late 20s, and that was because we started on a somewhat decent level of offense, and then we just sunk. Passing offense, Giants ranked 28th. Rushing offense, they ranked 26th, and points per game, they ranked 31st. The Jaguars are the only team worse than the Giants in that category. I believe the Texans are the only team worse than the Giants in the total yards per game category. In terms of the defense, Giants ranked 20th in total yards per game, 17th in passing defense, 23rd in rushing defense, and 23rd in points per game. So just some things to look for, players to watch. Taylor Heineke on the season. He has... 3,299 yards, 20 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 65.5 completion percentage. So he's a game manager at best. I think he's a little bit overrated by a lot of people, to be quite honest with you, because people see the way Daniel Jones plays on occasion. Obviously, it's not good. But they'll be like, oh, Taylor Heineke's better. I don't think he's better. I don't, because that touchdown-interception ratio should not be that close, in my opinion. And he really has some bad moments. He really does. So that's Taylor Heineke in terms of the rushing game. Heineke is actually their second leading rusher. Antonio Gibson is first. And if he has over 109 yards on the ground against the Giants, he gets over 1,000. But he has 237 rushes, 891 yards on the season. Total of six touchdowns, three fumbles lost, and about 3.8 yards per carry. So that's a little disappointing unless they use him in the short yardage situations. But 
the way you're looking at both offenses, you're probably not feeling any good about it. In terms of the receiving game, Terry McLaurin is very, very close to the 1,000-yard mark. He's got about 40 yards away, so maybe the Giants have a personal goal of just putting him under the 1,000 mark. They did that with Ezekiel Elliott last year in the rushing category, and they did that with CeeDee Lamb last year in the receiving category, so will they do it again? We'll see. I really don't have any hope for that, but it is what it is. We're at the end of the season. 73 receptions, uh, 960 yards, 13.2 yards per reception, about five touchdowns. Of course, if I'm reading that correctly. J.D. McKissick is the second leading receiver. Total of 43 receptions, 367 yards, two touchdowns, 9.2 yards per reception. Adam Humphreys is the second leading receiver. He has no touchdowns on the season, but he has 60 targets, 40 catches, about 380 yards, 9.5 per catch. DeAndre Carter, who is their main return guy and who is very good. So there's a chance. There's a chance he might get a touchdown this game in the return game because he has a good return. The Giants special teams is absolutely garbage. Total of 24 receptions, 296 yards, and total of three touchdowns. Antonio Gibson has three touchdowns in the receiving game, 41 receptions, 289 yards. I'm looking at it from a distance, of course, nine per reception. Then John Bates, Cam Sims, Logan Thomas uh, caught a couple of touchdowns as well. They're in the about 200-yard mark of receiving. So for the defensive side of the ball, as I said, very, very underwhelming. Uh, Jonathan Allen has eight and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 28 quarterback hits, 32 quarterback pressures, no interceptions, nothing like that. But I think he only missed. Actually, no, he didn't miss a game. He didn't miss a game. He started all 16, so he's very dependable in that aspect. I was thinking 18 weeks, you know, and it says he started 16, all 16. So I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. But obviously, I rethought it. And he started every game. Montez Sweat's going to be out, so there's no necessarily, you know, need to go into Montez Sweat. Kendall Fuller, he's been a decent corner this year. You know, not like last year where he had a, probably a better year. He started more games this year. One interception. Quarterbacks are completing 68.2% of their passes against him. He's given up 769 yards and three touchdowns. The passer rating isn't bad at 94.3. Two pressures, 74 tackles in total. And then Cameron Curl, just one more person I'd like to look at. Um, he started 13 of the 15 games he's played in the season. They are completing 62.5% of their passes against him. 347 yards, giving up three touchdowns and a 97.8 pass range. So that's not too terrible. It's not in the hundreds, but it's getting there. So that's that. All right, so let's go to questions. To answer, I have three on offense, three on defense, and then one just as an honorable mention because there was some news this week about something this guy said in regards to head coaching positions and what his future would possibly be about. But anyway, offense, number one, will Kenny G catch his first New York Giants touchdown? I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to have a touchdown this season. It's very sad. It's frustrating for him because he was signed to all this money and all he wanted was a couple of touchdowns and 
some meaningful wins, meaningful receptions. You know, I don't think he's ever been a part of a winning team. So he was drafted in 2017. That team went 9-7. and seven. So, yeah, that was a winning team, but they didn't make the playoffs. And this team was destined, at least so we thought, to make the playoffs. Didn't happen. So I don't think Kenny G will catch his first Giants touchdown. And if the Giants actually get a touchdown, it's going to be very, very surprising to me. And if Jake Fromm does terrible, well, you have no backup quarterback. Unless the Giants have enough money to elevate Lewerke. But then again, the alternative is garbage. Is this Saquon's last game in a New York Giants uniform? I don't think so. I don't think that there's going to be a very good market in terms of trade for Saquon Barkley next year. I don't think that there's going to be much of a market. If Saquon was cuttable, I think the New York Giants would cut him with the new GM coming in. I don't care if Joe Judge stays, goes, whatever the situation is. If Saquon was cuttable and if his savings overvalued and just were more than the dead cap hit, then he would be cut and he'd go to another team for a cheap deal or whatever the case may be. And, you know, that would be that. But I don't think there's going to be a market for Saquon Barkley in terms of trade. And he will be back next year for one more year and they'll probably get rid of him after that. Number three, can this team score a meaningful touchdown? I don't think it's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, whatever the case may be. This is not a great defense that we're facing, but Jake Fromm doesn't necessarily have the tools to be a capable backup, a capable starting quarterback. And the NFL just was not made for him. The NFL was just not made for him. By the way, anyone who has not seen it yet, I was at the movies on Friday. I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. I was at the movies in Florida on Friday. The movie American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, I think it's a very interesting story. Obviously, some of the stuff, I think they mix up a little bit just to make it more appealing to the crowd. But with that being said, it's a very good movie, so I would recommend it if you want to learn about Kurt Warner, his story. Very interesting story, very good movie. But with that being said, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Can Aziz Ojolari break LT sack record? So it's not officially known as LTs. It was known as BJ Hills. It's... And Aziz's name, but Aziz has eight uh, eight sacks right now. And LT, in his rookie year, had nine or nine and a half sacks. And they didn't count sacks back in the day, or at least in LT's rookie year. So Aziz holds that. But it would be nice, I guess, if he could go up to nine and a half and tie or break the record. And another thing to watch is... If you're not going to watch this game or whatever, watch that Steelers game because TJ Watt is two sacks away, I believe, from breaking Michael Strahan's single-season record for sacks. So keep that in mind. Hopefully he doesn't, though. Hopefully he doesn't. I'm not wishing injury on TJ Watt or anything like that, but I want to keep it as Michael Strahan's and not TJ Watt's. Can the New York Giants defense limit Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson under 1,000 yards total in the season? I don't have much hope for that. I think if it's going to be one of them that will be stopped, I think it's going to be, I'm going to say Gibson. I don't know. 
because it's very luke a very lukewarm thing to me because Jarrett Patterson I know he's had some success over the last couple of weeks the rookie out of Buffalo and then Terry McLaurin I mean he's 40 away so how could he not break the record but I think Gibson will be stopped shy he's got a hundred something to go and I think this Giants defense will try to work hard and diminish that let's see if we have Danny Shelton back this week I'm looking at the roster right now yeah we do so if he does play on a couple of meaningful snaps with that being said I mean you know he'll probably break the record we'll see will the Giants defense get a turnover they got two turnovers against the Bears that I didn't even know about they got an interception by James Bradbury and they got an interception by Tay Crowder both really didn't mean that much but the defense got turnovers we'll see if it's meaningful Probably should have put meaningful in the question, but question remains, will the Giants defense get a turnover that's meaningful? I don't think they will. Not necessarily on the fault of the defense, but I think the offense will put the uh, defense in a couple of positions where the game is going to be over in the first five, ten minutes. Honorable mention question, does this game help Patrick Graham score a coaching interview or interviews? I think... That Patrick Graham will get a few interviews. Obviously, the defensive stats don't look good. But I think he'll get a couple of interviews. I don't know what he's going to say in those interviews. I mean, if Joe Judge is gone, Patrick Graham is gone. Patrick Graham's likely not going to get the head coaching job at the Giants after his best friend got fired. But we'll see what happens. I think this game could help him get a coaching interview, depending on how the defense performs. But we'll see. We'll see. And it really just depends on what's happening in terms of this head coaching thing. Because if Joe Judge leaves, Patrick Graham is not going to mean anything to us after this game. In terms of if Joe Judge stays, well, Patrick Graham's going to be here next year. Unless something unforeseen comes up or Patrick Graham gets a head coaching job. So let's go with keys to win. Number one, get something going on offense. Try to get Kenny Galladay a touchdown. I mean, yeah, you know, offense wins. Scoring points wins. Joe Judge really doesn't believe in that. But with that being said, you can't really win with Jake Fromm or Mike Lennon, the quarterback. It's been proven. And just get something going on offense. If it's the running game, if it's the passing game to a certain extent, just get creative. Just get creative because... You know, we get it. Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm are terrible quarterbacks, but try to do something, Freddie Kitchens. Try to do something offensive coaching staff where he's not just drowning in quicksand the whole time, where maybe he has a hot route or he has a crossing route he could just hit. Don't make him drown and say, oh, well, you know, he's just a bad quarterback. I have nothing to do with it. Because realistically, we don't know that Freddie Kitchens may or may not be coming back next year. Number two, stop the run. That probably goes along with the lines of just stopping and preventing Antonio Gibson from getting to the 1,000-yard mark. And Jared Patterson, I know he's been a factor of late, so you could stop the run that way with those two primary backs. And then number three, if your offense can't do anything, get a pick six or a defensive touchdown. Yeah, um, the pick six obviously was Xavier McKinney, you know, back in week nine against the Oakland Oakland. Las Vegas Raiders, and that was our only defensive touchdown of the year. But 
that's what happens. And I'm not saying, you know, totally that, oh, my God, they have to get seven pick sixes in a season. No. But the Giants' defense, it's not totally their fault this season because, well, the offense was just historically bad. This is probably one of the worst offensive seasons in history. And this team, just as a franchise, probably isn't good scoring points. You know, put aside a couple of years in history. So let me take a sip real quick, and we'll talk about another topic. Okay. So let's talk about our favorite guy, depending on how you feel about him. Feel he should come back, feel that he shouldn't come back, or whatever the case may be. So I'm trying to get my papers here. I apologize. So the question remains, will Joe Judge be fired? What is the future of Joe Judge? We know Dave Gettleman's going to go, whether it's retiring whether it's going to be, you know, just him getting fired, which is highly unlikely. He's not going to come out for a press conference. He's going to be fired. We all know that. Fired, retired, whatever the case may be, he's going to be fucking gone. He's going to sail off in the sunset, whatever. So he'll be gone. Giants will be looking for a new GM no matter what, whether it's Kevin Abrams or Dorsey or Scott Pioli, all these other guys. We'll talk about that probably when it comes time after next week. And we'll get into it probably in an episode or a video, whatever the case may be. So, with that being said, what's the situation with Joe Judge? What's his future like? So, here are the circumstances that he is faced with. Well, second year of him working with Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman's going to get fired, retired, whatever the case may be. He's just going to... Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Dave Gettleman. But, with that being said... You have a new GM coming in, most likely. You have the precedent of your franchise firing a coach every two years the last two coaches. Ben McAdoo, I thought he would probably have gotten a third year, depending on a couple of circumstances, because obviously had the Eli benching, and if it wasn't for that, the locker room was turning on him. And that would not have been a good thing. And John Marrow probably would have taken action at some point. Maybe, maybe not in the right way. That can be debated over a long period of time. We're not going to waste any time with that. But also Pat Shermer, which I believe was, I would say, just record-based in New York, media pressure-based, the ESPN talking heads and stuff like that. Listen, Pat Shermer was not a good head coach at all, but it just didn't make sense. Yeah, let's draft a quarterback for him and then fire him. I mean, you really can't do two things at once. And yes, the defense was a huge problem, but you can't win how many games and develop a rookie quarterback at once. That's just not possible. Obviously, the New England Patriots are doing it in a different way with Mac Jones, and we know the situation there, but with Pat Shermer, it was not happening. So, there's that. Injuries plaguing the team, no capable starting quarterback. So, half of this you can actually blame on Joe Judge. At least according to Giant Insider and a couple outlets, and people try to make excuses for Joe Judge. Oh, what are you talking about? It's just Dave Gettleman. I blame it on both of them. Obviously, Jake Fromm starting was never the direction of this franchise, was never intended to happen. But Mike Glennon was signed by the New York Giants to save costs. Colt McCoy, who obviously 
started a few games this past year in Arizona, was a cheap option, and he was a better game manager. Now, were some of his physical traits off? Yes, he didn't have the arm strength and some of the other things that Mike Lennon has, but Mike Lennon has a turnover in every game that he has played. Cole McCoy didn't, I don't think. He had one in the Seattle game, which was the interception that Evan Ingram dropped and it handed it was in the hands of Quandre Diggs. And then you had the Browns game, which there was no turnover there. The Giants just couldn't score points. But with that being said, he was just a better game manager overall. Not necessarily turning over the ball every play and you know it is what it is, but the Giants wanted to cut costs. They didn't want to go after a guy like Jameis Winston or some of these other guys that were on the market, and there were some backup quarterback options. Andy Dalton was there. Joe Flacco was there. A couple other guys were there. So there was some options out there that are better than Mike Lennon, and they did not pull the trigger. They decided, hey, let's cut costs. Let's go out and sign a $39 million cornerback, which – has worked out. I mean, Adoree Jackson's been good, though the injuries, and Kenny Galladay hasn't worked out so far, Kadarius Tony has, and whatever the case may be, but, you know, you can argue, but you can't argue, well, the backup quarterback is or isn't his fault. So, here are the circumstances that I believe Joe Judge would get fired under or that he wouldn't get fired under. So, Joe Judge is likely getting fired if these two things happen. If the team is very, very uncompetitive versus Washington, and if it's like the game against the Bears, and if he tries to save himself from the presser like he did last week, and they actually asked, meaning the beat reporters actually asked Pat Shermer about what he thought on JoJo's comments, and he didn't like it at all. He said maybe five words about it, said that's not really an accurate assessment, but I'm not going to say any more than that. And then Ron Rivera went after him or something like that, whatever the case may be. So you know that Ron Rivera's team, they're 6-10. and 10. They're not going to the playoffs, but with that being said, they're probably looking to destroy us because of what Joe Judge said. That's the message you're putting out there, Joe, by the way. So he wouldn't get fired if this team is competitive if the game is within range, and if he has a very calm presser. And I think he would have a calm presser if this team is somewhat competitive. I'm not saying progress or anything like that. I'm not going to be a bullshit artist. But that's the case it would happen under. I didn't even do my score prediction yet. We'll do that at the end. I just realized that. I apologize. But he wouldn't get fired if the team is competitive and if there's a calm press conference, if he's not trying to save his job and throw everybody's ass under the bus. But he probably would get fired if the team is uncompetitive versus Washington, if it just looks really bad, and if the team looks drained, and if he tries to save himself. So apparently, and I don't know how true this is, Film Talk Football, their page on Twitter, who apparently has some sources. But, you know, with that being said, they've gotten a couple of things, right? They've gotten the fact that Jake Fromm was involved in the playbook and the game plan against the Cowboys. 
they got the Garrett firing right, and they got a couple other things right. But there was a tweet that was on January 2nd. They're hearing that, given a repeat performance in Week 18, Joe Judge could be out of a job ASAP. Players have been more and more frustrated with Joe Judge's stubbornness and inability to listen. So, I don't try to call too many people's jobs or call for them rather than me just mumbling and jumbling. But with that being said, Joe Judge needs to go. That's my opinion. So let's make the argument once again. Then we'll do score predictions and we'll get you guys out of here. So the circumstances of Joe Judge, you know, should he be fired? Should he not be fired? Whatever the case may be. Whatever argument. I'm presenting both arguments. So he should be fired under the following circumstances, in my opinion, because I am on that train. Bad time management and a micromanager. Timeouts, obviously, just not a good in-game manager. And with the Nate Solder thing, I know people say, oh, well, you know, Matt Pair was actually worse. I, I honestly don't believe that. I honestly believe it was about snaps, but Matt Pair tore his ACL. And, well, that's the end of that. Matt Parrott's probably getting cut on the practice squad of somebody else's team next year, and that's the case there. But just as a talent evaluator as well, like Danny Shelton's better than David Moa, and David Moa's a young cat, may be good, may not be good, but you put in Danny Shelton, who gets bulldozed on every double team. Um, See what else, War Hernandez, is he better than some of the other guys we had on the roster? Like when... He was consistently struggling. He still is consistently struggling. I'm not saying that he isn't. And the team just cut Isaiah Wilson, so that was a failed thing. Low risk, high reward kind of thing. But with that being said, you couldn't have put Ben Bredesen in? Because I think Ben Bredesen, his ceiling is to be at least a decent guard in the NFL. Maybe not starter, but a backup. So you could have really had a duo just to evaluate the future of Thomas Skura even though, once again, Skura, Price, probably not part of the future. Skura, Price, Bredesen, Parrot. But obviously, that's not going to happen. Billy Price is probably returning this week, so Skura will move back. But Will Hernandez is probably still going to start. And there's been reports coming around that Will Hernandez is not going to be back next year, and rightfully so, because he's been absolutely fucking garbage for this team within the last two years, especially. So, philosophy is outdated. He plays a field position game. I don't want to hear the excuses from people that, oh, well, he plays a field position game because, it ha- you know, that's what he has to work with. No. No, 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 no. He plays that because he's a special teams coach, and he's very conservative. Fourth downs, obviously, is a big part of that. But, oh, we got to play the field position game because we got to depend on the defense. What's the point of depending on the defense if your offense is not going to score points game after game after game after drive after drive after drive? What's the point of that? And the worst part of it is, is that despite the offense being terrible, you have a punter who sucks. I honestly believe some of that is Joe Judge's fault because Riley Dixon was at least a decent punter when Thomas McGahee came here with Pat Shermer. And then when Joe Judge came in, Dixon started punting like garbage. And then you have a very garbage special teams unit, so that doesn't make it any better. That's what I'm talking about with the philosophy being outdated, the field position game. That's not the game you play in today's NFL anymore. Scoring points. 
is the game you're supposed to play. That's the key to success. That's the key to being a contender, as long as you have a decent defense. And he really puts a cap on the offense progress. We've seen in games where Jason Garrett or Freddie Kitchens has really made some bad play calls. But you take a look against Washington, you take a look against the first time we face uh, first time we face the Philadelphia Eagles, where we played prevent offense, and the first game we lost, and the second game we almost lost. We were down by no, actually. We got the interception. Let me go back to the first game before I start thinking in 700 different directions. So the first game, interception by Bradbury. We run it twice, and uh, besides that one big run from Barkley, the running game wasn't doing anything. So it really would have been more productive just running with Devontae Booker. So they could have ran with him. But anyway, they ran two plays, and Daniel Jones was behind Sterling Shepard in his fourth down, and they have lots of time on the clock, Washington. So the Giants end up kicking the field. Well, and that's Jason Garrett. That's Joe Judge because they're very conservative. You look at the first game of Freddie Kitchens. It was 13-7. to And the Giants had an opportunity to go ahead and just run out the clock, get at least one first down, and you kneel down the rest of time. And they didn't do that. They punted. And Philly went down the field. And because Jalen Rager dropped a game-winning pass... We won that game, and that was the first game I was at. It's great, but you know what? Let's look into the specifics of it. Conservative, very prevent offense-like. So there's that. Every team has injuries. It's about the depth you have, and obviously that's not totally on Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, obviously. But I look at the first four games, really the first three. All of them were so winnable. The prevent offense... Not playing great against the Falcons, a team they really should have beaten because the Falcons took an ass beating for the Bucks in Week 2. And the game was 17-14, to so the defense was playing good. The offense was not. They literally got a absolute gift on a pass interference penalty on a good drive with a couple of penalties on that drive, I think. So there's that. You have the Denver game where the defense, yeah, wasn't playing great. But the offense wasn't necessarily doing the greatest things either. So there's that. And they scored seven points that were, let's see, meaningful. So the first three games, I just look at and say, yeah, you could say all the injuries and all that. But you know what? You take a look at the first three games and don't give me this extension of the preseason crap because, well, you had a preseason. You knew what the league was going to do. And you were just unprepared. I get it, teams start out like shit, and sometimes it's not how you start, it's how you finish, but with that being said, you can't really say that when this team's been garbage all season. Sorry. GM head coach timeline. This is really more on John Mara, and also can be influenced by the job that Joe Judge does, and Dave Gettleman, and the GM, and whoever, but you have to get the GM head coach timeline right. That's one of the more prominent reasons Giant fans really want to fire Joe Judge. Just because of that and also the other shit that I just talked about. But if you really want to have a head coach on the hot seat with a new GM, you're basically punting the season. You're basically saying, okay, well, this, this, and this. doesn't make any sense. Having a GM and head coach not on the same timeline, not brought in at the same time, 
doesn't make any sense. Because people that are calling for Joe Judge to come back next year, what the new GM is going to have to do is that he's going to have to bring in more players for Joe Judge. And then if Joe Judge gets fired, he's going to have to get rid of those players for the head coach that he hires. So it's going to be the second year of that GM and the first year of the new head coach. It doesn't make any sense. And there are a lot of candidates out there that are good candidates both for GM and head coach. And another thing is, well, what if keeping Joe Judge really restricts your list of general manager candidates that are not willing to work with him? And you never honestly should fit a GM to a head coach. It should always be a GM, excuse me, a head coach to a GM because the GM has the higher power. They evaluate the talent and they basically run the show with the scouting department. Hopefully, in the next regime, whenever the hell that's going to be, we get some of these assholes out of the front office like Chris Pettit, Chris Mara. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen, but Chris Pettit, some of these other guys in the front office who have really just destroyed the Giants in terms of scouting and player personnel the last couple of years. Hopefully, they're just gone. But you really have to have that general manager, head coach sink. You have to because what if they go out and hire this dude, Dave Ziegler, I think his name is from the Patriots, right? And Joe Judge gets fired. What is he going to bring in? Josh McDaniels as his next head coach after Joe Judge is gone? Doesn't make any sense at all. And then you got the talking heads on WFAN. Oh, hire Thomas Dimitrov as the next GM. No. Why do you think that team in Atlanta, is, uh, besides Dan Quinn, has been shit for so many years? Because he was just bad as a GM. Talent wasn't good on that team. I don't understand what these people are thinking. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. And then making excuses just overall to justify losing and clapping for progress. Yes, we've got to clap for progress. 4-13, probably going to be. Yeah, I mean, that just comes with pressure stuff. i got to look at the tape, whatever. So here are the only three arguments I could possibly make for Joe Judge coming back. He's not gotten all of his players in the last two years. I get that. And I know I'm trying to advocate for him coming back in this set of circumstances on this side of the argument. But sometimes you have to work with tools you necessarily did not buy. It's with some of the tools that really Joe Judge has brought in, they have not worked. Danny Shelton hasn't worked. And once again, we're back to the tools argument. You're not really evaluating those tools very good. Well, Hernandez is still playing meaningful snaps. Danny Shelton, Nate Solder, all these other guys, right? So there's that. O'Shane Zimenez for a while in the first half of the season. So once again, there's that. Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm as starters. Once again, that goes on both. But you can't necessarily blame all of that on Joe Judge because that's cutting costs. And Jake Fromm coming in and... You know, you can't win games with Jake Fromm. You can't win games with Mike Glenn, especially with the set of circumstances that they're put around. Offensive line, wide receivers constantly being out. And then no offensive line, no pass rush the last few years. That's on Dave Gettleman, but it's also on Joe Judge. More on Dave Gettleman, more on this team just generally because no offensive line for the past 10-plus years, no pass rush, so there's that. But um, just overall, I want Joe Judge gone. We'll see what happens on Monday, Tuesday, and obviously I'll have a podcast episode out then. In terms of game predictions, take a sip real quickly. Because God knows I need to. Washington 17, the Giants 3. I don't think Washington scores that many points against us because they're a bad offense. 
And I just think that the Giants offense is going to be bad and the defense will try to stop Washington in a couple of different positions because of the offense being so bad with Jake Fromm a quarterback and all these other things. But with that being said, Giants have a ceiling of three points. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And I mean meaningful points, not like, oh, 17 points and garbage time, all this, blah, 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 blah. No, 17, Washington, three points as a ceiling for the New York Giants. But if you guys haven't already, like, comment, and subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Um, podcast episode should be out on Tuesday. And I don't think that I'll have a podcast episode out on Saturday. I think it will be another Sunday thing. I'll let you guys know during the week. But give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating overall. Leave some comments. Helps out the channel. Helps out the algorithm. Just overall. We'll definitely have more content coming out through the offseason. And Yankee content as well. Boys and Big Apple returns on the 18th. So we'll be back for that. Talking a lot of sports. And more live streams as well. I'm planning to stream possibly a few playoff games. Because that obviously helped the channel a lot. So, uh, yeah. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.